0: Hey, Spike biz, Nate, I'm listening to your back hat here trying to get a handle on what this whole podcast thing's about. And I got to say right off the bat, I got a critique for you. And you're going you're to want to hear this, but you don't have to play this on the air because I don't want you to be embarrassed or anything, okay? I don't want you to be embarrassed by this. But here's the thing. Episode 2 You're already taking A ton of call-ins And the thing I like About your podcast Is I don't generally Go in for the European podcast Because the accent Makes them sound weak But you don't sound weak You you got a strong Authoritative voice You need to use that To your advantage Don't take a lot of call-ins Don't take a lot of Other people's opinions You need to step up And be alpha Right off the bat You know Tell people how it is Hey I'm Spike Pit And this is how you play the game And people are gonna listen to you They're gonna flock to you Because they're gonna hear That strong authoritative voice And people are attracted To that mentally So That's my opinion. Take it or leave it, but you should take it because I'm right. I'm right. So good luck with the podcast. I hope everything works out for you. I'm looking forward to episode three.
1: Searching for moons For evil logger in an ancient room Was a fortunate son of the OSR Without a ten-foot pole I wouldn't get very far The ground was murky and I caught a look As the dungeon master opened up his grim tooth book And then I fell into a spike pit Oh, yeah, Spike Pit. Oh, a bit would has spikes in it.
2: I'm Colin Green, and you are listening to Spike Pit. didn't think this episode was going to happen I have to confess it's my birthday yesterday and uh, I may well have consumed a little bit too much overindulged perhaps more than I should have and now I'm paying the price but I can't let that stand in the way of my something for the weekend episode I've gone against the great advice of Nate the man at the top of the show there, a new fella on anchor with his show, I'm Right, You're Welcome. I hope you'll give him a listen. Obviously, quite a strong-willed and opinionated character, urging me to follow in those footsteps and really stick it to the listeners. You've got to hear my opinion, I've got to make myself heard and Not play so much. Not not play so much. Call-ins. Not dilute my signal, (laughs) which is going to be difficult with a call-in episode. So, with the greatest respect, Nate, I'm I'm going to have to kind of uh, take take your advice and kind of uh, adapt it to my own ends a little bit. I'm sure you won't mind. But thanks for calling in, and I wish you all the best in this new venture. Hey there, Colin, a.k.a. Spike Pit. This
1: is Carl. Uh, enjoyed your post about, or your podcast about rant. I like your rants better, honestly. Your drive-bys about 5E. I think it's a good system. I don't know why people complain about it so much. Um, just a lot of people not wanting to change try new things. It just, I guess it's typical in our uh, community, but I enjoy it. I like, uh, I like to pull things out of it. Um, a lot of other games have pulled things out of it that claim they're quote unquote OBSR. So it's very interesting. Also, I did not know that you were a Warhammer 40k verse fan. I love that verse run lots of games in it. Maybe we'll have to do that sometime. Enjoy the Underhive book.
2: Bye. Yeah, thanks for your call in, Carl. Glad you enjoyed the episodes. And yeah, sure enough, I am a big old fan of Necromunda. Back in the day, I I collected virtually all the miniatures, built a load of scenery, played it regularly, Uh, had a number of different gangs and we used to play against each other. It normally fell apart. Well, I remember the last time we played it, it fell apart because... I had a gang of rat skins that were just kind of getting bigger and bigger and the uh, the other gangs tended to be taking fatalities, their gangs were, were shrinking and the, the way the game worked there was a sort of action economy imbalance going on so more or less I became unbeatable especially with my my gang's propensity for ranged weapons that sort of dominated the rule system of Necromunda. In fact, I was just speaking about this the other day because uh, Barney from Loco Ludus had come come to visit. He was in the UK. We met up down at my brother's house and we sat and chatted, played a few games and uh, had a, a good old time. And I know necromunda and and sort of miniatures and skirmish games came up as a topic of conversation. As for the 5e, yeah, I'm back playing it. I did those kind of rant episodes, really. I guess they weren't really rants. They were just calling into question some of the uh, kind of criticism that I'd heard and uh, I, I was a little bit confused by it's going to take a little while for me to get the characters up in the levels because I want to explore this this idea that the the characters have got all these features and powers and they're like superheroes. I hear that banded about a lot. Um, I haven't got any real reason to doubt what people are saying except that looking at the books and on paper, I don't think it it looks super complicated so i really want to put that to the test and see how i get on
3: hello colin it's che from roleplay rescue just been listening to episode 245 i'm a little bit behind in my podcast listening um really enjoyed listening to you and sonny talk about his lizard man character and also your ruminations on five and it prompted me really to say thank you um I'm, I don't know if you've caught up, I'm, I think I might not have even released the episode yet, but um, the school club has um, kind of been rejuvenated in the last week or so because I started to advertise playing D&D and this week we started playing D&D 5th edition and uh, it's been a lot of fun. I'm back to playing with it and uh, delved into the essentials kit, I'm going to run the sandbox in there. But the whole thing, the whole kind of coming back to that in my mind, that came from you and Sonny talking about it a few episodes ago and I just wanted to say a big thank you to you both for encouraging me to remember the teenagers like to play a bit of 5e and you know what so do I game on
2: it's great to hear from Che there and I'm encouraged hearing that his, his after school club has swelled in numbers he's got some new recruits probably it's it's not totally surprising I guess because D&D, it's, it's a big big name now. You get that brand recognition and perhaps the kids understand what they're getting into. I hope it goes well. I think it's a good choice to go for the the Essentials box set. I was talking about that a good while back and before it came out, I was getting quite excited about it. Then I thought, oh, I don't know if I need it. I delayed on purchasing and only recently have uh, picked it up and busted it open because I'm back in the DM's chair. And prior to that, I've always been running with the basic rules downloaded and printed out from the website and uh, the the rules in the starter set. But interestingly, the rules in the essentials box, I think are, are even nicer they they are now a fully complete game. The uh, the starter set in the the original starter set box. The rules in there didn't include character creation. It came with pre gens. But if you take both of those boxes and put them together, that makes a really nice set. You can play hours of D and D like that. My um, my previous campaign that I ran in Fandolin, that is. With the addition of the essentials box, that is a, a really quite extensive little setting with loads of material, and and by the time you add in your own flourishes and ideas, you probably you probably would never need to put your hand in your pocket for another RPG product. Okay, you you. <laughs> The the likelihood of that is slim, of course. Your eye is going to get caught by other stuff, and you know maybe you you just fancy a change, etc. But I don't think you can really fault the value of of, of the product. Uh, It's a it's a rule book now that's back around the sixty four page mark, so it's exactly like um, earlier editions. And like I say, it's got everything in there, and. I just think it's a it's a great introduction, and if you like your D and D, nice to have that condensed rule book. It, interestingly, I know uh, my fellow co-host on the Purple Worm, Pete, and also John Large, they they've both gone to Lulu and got stuff printed out, and they've they've made up some nice books as well. So there's lots of ways of getting in there and not having to fork out loads of cash. So, I hope that game works out well for you, Che, and be sure to keep us posted, of course, on your podcast, Roleplay Rescue.
1: Hey, Josh Beckelheimer here. So, i got to say, Andy Goodman is definitely right about those 5e monsters. For the longest time, I kept looking at 5e and trying to decide how can I reduce the bloat to make this run easier for me. And you just can't. I mean everything is important in those monster stats even the way you create new monsters is very important and you very important to follow those rules in the Dungeon Master Guide there is key information there things like if your monster has leap you have to act as if it has like plus 2 AC in the whole doing the math of trying to figure out what the CR is of that monster There's a lot that goes into creating monsters and all that stuff in those sheets is very, very important. But I think you are doing the right thing with um, using D&D Beyond with your, oh gosh, Tomb of Annihilation adventure. Um, I have the three core books, the Essentials Kit, and Descent into Avernus on D&D Beyond. And reading through that module... It is awesome the way they have that freaking program set up to where I can, you know, I can be in the dungeon map, you enter a room, I can click on that monster, and it brings that monster right up so I can see everything I need for that encounter. And then I can push the back button and I'm right back where I was in the the dungeon page. It's great. And it would probably make a whole lot easier for me to play that game. If I had enough people to play 5e with and have patience with me because it would still be a struggle for me. But another issue I had with reading through Descent into Avernus was, my god, that first encounter that they would, you know, the players would be in is extremely deadly. And then the very first kind of dungeon that they go in is huge. I'm thinking, how are they going to run through this without dying? Like, I know people always say, like, oh, you can't die in 5e. Yeah, you can after reading this. Um, So what I did was, like, you know what? Let me see if I can find actual plays of people running this game so I can, you know, see how they do it. And so I did. I found an actual play podcast, um, Red Moon Roleplaying great thing about that is the episodes are about 45 minutes to an hour long so nothing crazy but i listened to how they ran that adventure and they're still running it and they did a lot of that stuff completely differently that first encounter they ignored all the combat the uh the first little dungeon you go to and they only went to like three different rooms they didn't even explore the whole thing and i think that's really helpful too is finding how other people are running it so you can get a better idea of like oh okay this game can run much smoother this way instead of you have this big old dungeon map and you expect your players to run through it when really it wasn't needed apparently because whenever i read through it again a lot of the story elements are just in a couple of rooms and you can ignore all the rest
2: continuing on then with the D theme and we get on to monsters how they're presented in the fifth edition of the rules yeah it can it can be a little bit intimidating i think but there's definitely a richness there that can be exploited josh mentions using D beyond and i i've got to say my initial uh, kind of um, dealings with with D beyond have, have been a little bit rocky a little bit shaky but the the cross referencing of the rules and being able to just pull up monsters quickly and easily has has been the high point so far for me. And navigating the scenario, the adventure, huh, maybe not so much. Don't know why. I I'm, I mean I'm I'm still pretty new to it, so I, I think that will certainly improve. And it, it is no doubt. A slick product, but uh, yeah, the best part is is probably, in fact, yeah, hands down the monsters, and then the cross referencing of the rules is good too. Uh, so, yep, yeah, j- jury's still out a little bit, but I think just for those things alone, does it does it warrant having book and d anD D beyond? Not sure. Could I do without the book at this point? I don't think so. So, um, yeah, I'll have to see. But it's an ongoing trial, and I'll keep, like I say, I'll keep you posted. The business of making up monsters, I know if you read the DMG, it, it is quite a, a lengthy and involved process. And it's not something I think I'm really gonna get involved in. If I need a if I need a monster and I want it to be a little bit different, I'm just gonna get the the closest thing to it, tweak it a little bit, go with a reskin. That that's plenty enough for me. As for the whole business of um CRs, um I don't even know what it stands for now. Combat rating, challenge rating, challenge rating. As for that, nah, I I I I'm not going to engage with that at all really. However, it it has been pointed out to me that the um the creator of ICRPG, Hank, has put together his five E hardcore mode and that actually makes use of uh, CR's in in a kind of a, a creative sounding way, it, it, my understanding of it is it's a sort of a um, a kind of a, a yardstick, or it it affects how the monster actually performs. Could totally have that wrong because I don't want to I don't want to complicate my 5E experience at the moment by looking into that hardcore mode. So I'm just gonna leave that to one side and. Um, just enjoy other people's thoughts on that subject when they podcast about it or blog or whatever. So yeah, reskinning monsters is the way I'm gonna go. I'll abandon the CRs. I think I think I've addressed everything that Josh has brought up there. Um, appreciate the call, mate. Josh Beckelheimer of JB Publishing. Check him out.
0: Hey, Colin, Jason here, barreling through the night in my van on the way to work, I guess the night, early morning, I don't know, it's dark either way. Anyway, I was finally catching up on episode 243, the third part of your talk with Ray Otis, proper noun syndrome, that nails it. Man, Ray's a smart guy, isn't he? The, You know, that exactly nails my problem with modern fantasy, I. I mean I knew I had an affinity with Ray as far as the literature we like and, you know, the movies and whatnot, T V shows. But he really nailed it. So like Jason Hobbs, who's you know, I'm not saying anything bad about Mr Hobbs at all, but he had a series he recommended to me that of course I'm in the van driving, so I don't know what it's called. But in fact he talks about it in his latest episode, it starts with a name I think. But anyway and he said and he actually you know, I bought a copy of the first book in there, but I bounced off the names immediately. And I've had that problem with other modern series and and proper noun syndrome. Ray really nailed it. That whole, you know, we want to cram all this stuff down your throat and all these weird names and all this stuff. And it definitely applies to RPGs. I get very frustrated. Whoa, that truck's going pretty fast. I definitely get frustrated with um, games that change the names just for no reason, just because they can change it. And like Ray, I experienced that at work. I've seen that mainly companies. So a company comes out with a new platform, a new piece of equipment that they sell, and, or you know, a new software program, and they rename things that should be called, you know, you've called it this all your life, but now they want to call it something else, because it's proprietary to their software. It's a bunch of horse crap, and it's a pain in the butt. So anyway, it, well, it's, like, it's like Magic, right? So in Magic, you tap your card. so all these other card games had to come up with other names, because Magic had copyrighted tapping or whatever. Oh, by the way, Swords Without Master. I played it. Honestly, my opinion of Swords Without Master is it's a great game. It's as far from a role-playing game as you can get. I mean, it's, it counts as a role-playing game, but it's all the way to the extreme where it's almost not. It's almost just a storytelling. Just everybody sitting down telling a story together. It's joint storytelling. There's a couple die rolls here and there. Things so still call it an RPG, but really it's joint storytelling. It is great fun. And it is really simple once somebody teaches it to you, but Ray is 100% right. It is kind of, if you just read the doc, di- it comes in a magazine or a zine or whatever. sort. Of, um, I'd have to look what, episode, what issue. Anyway, though, the way it's initially presented is very difficult to grasp. But once somebody teaches it to you, it's super simple. And it is great fun, but really it's just shared storytelling.
2: Yeah, so I haven't got too much to add to what Jason's saying there. I'm glad he enjoyed the recordings I did with Ray. Hopefully there'll be more of those coming in the future. I um I I stumble and struggle getting into books if if there's a lot of this kind of lore up front that I need to digest in order to understand the world and get into the story. I I much much prefer either it's not there or just being drip fed. The, uh, the information more gradually and have the story unfold. We use the example of The Hobbit. If you've not heard the episodes with Ray, I urge you to go and have a listen. They weren't that long ago. Around about episode, I want to say, between 230 and 240, somewhere around there. Check it out. You uh, may find you enjoy it, as, in fact, Jason did here. So thank you for the kind words, Jason. With regards to Swords Without Master... I uh, I can't see myself playing it in the very near future, but if uh, uh, if I'm at a con and opportunity presents itself, I'll have to jump in. It sounds like the way to go is uh, to be taught the game. Uh, you're not the first person to mention it, and I don't suppose you'll be the last. So at the end of the show, I'm going to leave you with Roy Lorenko to ponder his thoughts on compliments, but before we hear from Roy, I just want to thank everybody who's called in for this episode and the folks who also kindly called and left me uh, some birthday messages. I haven't included them this time. I felt it was a little bit self-indulgent. There was Aaron, Liran, uh, Jason wishing me a happy birthday. Uh, I've had... People on social media reach out and wish me all the best. It's uh, very nice and most appreciated. I, I really do appreciate everybody taking time, making effort to en- engage with my podcast and myself. And I just want to say thanks, guys. Yeah, I'm a year older. Uh, am I a year wiser? Who knows? My My other thanks want to go to the people backing me on Patreon, the pit crew, Their ongoing support keeps me going and growing. And last but not least, I want to thank you, the listener, for taking a bit of time out of your day to listen to old Spike Pit. I'll leave you in the very capable and thoughtful hands of Roy Lorenko. Take it away, Roy.
4: Hey, Colin. I know it's sometimes hard to accept compliments, but I do appreciate you airing my recent message. And I think that's uh, true for many of the Anchorites. It's hard for them to accept compliments, um, myself included. Sometimes we even accept it outwardly, but do we really internalize it? Or do we instead say, oh, they're just being nice, or they would say that about anyone, or I don't really deserve that praise. But I think if we don't accept it, are we somehow invalidating the person that's making those comments, saying that they're being insincere or uh, that their comments don't have the weight or value that they should. And why is it so hard for us to accept compliments? Is it just our upbringing that tells us that pride is a sin? Is it that it puts an extra burden on us because now we have to live up to those expectations? Or are we afraid that now that someone has raised us up that we may somehow disappoint them? Anyway, sorry, this is not very RPG related.